Welcome to the Royal Diaries, Unlocking History. My name is Julia. My name is Felicia. We are sisters who love books, history, and talking about them both. We're doing a deep dive into the Royal Diaries series. Come with us as we learn about the girls who became women that shaped history. All right, so Cleopatra, Daughter of the Nile by Christiana Gregory. The summary reads, while her father is in hiding after attempts on his life, 12-year-old Cleopatra records in her diary how she fears for her own safety and how she hopes to survive to become queen of Egypt one day. So I know you want to talk about this book really badly, (laughs) but I feel like we need to go and have a few things we need to go and keep in mind that might cause some frustration during this episode, but them's the fact. No, it's okay. Set the scene. Go for it. Okay. So, firstly, like some of the women in the previous episode, there's a lot of, we think that this happened, but we're not exactly sure, or we know that this happened, but we don't know when. Paradigm is pretty much par for the course with Cleopatra, but crank it up to 11. Plus also, like... The further we go back, the less we know. Exactly. Let's be honest. Yeah. Secondly, if you're probably going to need a flowchart for how many people have the exact same name or a very phonetically (laughs) similar name... Not very creative back in the day. No, they're not. Um, (laughs) Things are just going to be really confusing at points, and my apologies. Also, we have the issue of the Anglicization of some names, like a lot of Greek and Roman names, so that's also a treat. Another thing, too, is that my main issue with researching this episode is that I found that within the scholarship, we have some really excellent primary source-based scholarship, but then there's a lot of really shitty scholarship that plays into these really... Like I heard from a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. Like, we have a lot of us weekly levels or TMZ levels of historical gossip about Cleopatra. Orientalists and sexist tropes. Yeah, for Uh, sure. And there's also a lot of debates, too, on literally, like, who is who and if some people even existed. Doubling up of names. Oh, yeah. Pretty much just, I'm not trying to be, like, fast and loose with the history, but also there's a lot to distill down into a narrative. Don't worry, I'm not going to come after you. What's the truth? Okay. Caveats aside, this is set in 57 BC. Cut some slack. For those wondering, my sources, I'm mostly going to be drawing from Roller's biography of her uh, that was written for the Women in Antiquity series for Oxford University Press. Hardcore. And what's, here's the thing, what's really wild to me about this book is that it came out a decade ago, but it's touted as being one of the first biographies of Cleopatra that exclusively uses primary sources from Egypt, Rome, etc. Scrolls, the coins, art and it seems like that should be the basic standard practice but it's not but what a novelty for this historical biography i'm gonna use historical stuff pretty much and (laughs) i think that this is just something we should keep in mind about cleopatra as a figure okay and roller says quote she suffers from male dominated historiography in both ancient and modern times and was often seen merely as an appendage of the men in her life or was stereotyped into typical chauvinistic female rules such as seductress or sorceress one whose primary accomplishment was ruining the men she was involved with I want to just parallel side note so you know how I feel very strongly about Elizabeth Taylor and obviously Elizabeth Taylor famously played Cleopatra. Cleopatra and I feel like that is the same narrative that Elizabeth Taylor played out Elizabeth Taylor extravagance married a billion dudes not really having any sense of herself and no talent, nothing to actually offer except she was hot. Excuse me. (laughs) 
Elizabeth Taylor. (laughs) This is a whole other tangent, but I'm just saying straight off the bat, I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm immediately, how fitting that Elizabeth Taylor (laughs) ended up playing Cleopatra in its its own mess of a mess in terms of grandstanding Hollywood ideas of ancient cultures, whitewashing. However, there are parallels. I'm just saying poetic cinema. But no, but it's kind of like your gal, but you're like your gal Elizabeth. Mm. She created this persona of the virgin queen and then ran with it. Cleopatra never created her historical persona Mm. that was then perpetuated throughout the ages. She wanted to be viewed as she worked really hard to maintain her role as the last Hellenistic ruler. And not just in Egypt, in a world that was being overrun by the Roman Republic's and soon-to-be empire. You and I talked really briefly about this earlier. The difference is Elizabeth was quote-unquote the winner in her story. Mm -hmm. So she got to create the narrative of how people remember her. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. Cleopatra is not exactly a winner. No. And so she doesn't get to dictate her future story and how we think about her, talk about her in years to come. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Our amuse-bouche <laughs> before we go into the massive banquet, which oh is gosh. Cleopatra. But yeah. Right. So quickly, what did you remember about the book? Okay. So what I remember about this book is I was much more excited for this Cleopatra book than the Elizabeth I book when I was a small child Mm. because my first foray into love of history was ancient Egypt. Yeah. Ancient Egypt is such a gateway drug into history. It really is. And so for me, any single book, I loved it. So when this one came out, I was, yes, I already know all about this. And that's where it was really interesting too, because I was learning about ancient, ancient Egypt and Cleopatra is not ancient, ancient Egypt. No. Part of like antiquity. Yeah. She's modern antiquity. Yeah. So it was really interesting when I was reading it. She is just as removed from ancient Egypt as I am. Mm. And so I think that was... (laughs) That was the difference for me. And also, I'm looking at the cover right now, and it's a beautiful North African-looking girl Mm -hmm. standing with her hand placed upon a leopard's head. And we've revealed this is her pet arrow. Within the narrative. Yeah. And this is another one of those things. So it's just, oh my god. I loved big cats. I wanted a tiger, a la Princess Jasmine in (laughs) Aladdin. There's something about a petite woman being able to tame a beautiful Majestic independent cat. This is my soul creature. So, two things. Number one, you <laughs> wanted to be like up on Tiger King, minus the animal abuse, way back before it became popular. I know. And then like number two, it's just a giant Beauty and the Beast metaphor, isn't it? Ish, but no, it was more of Princess Jasmine. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing. <laughs> Hashtag the dream. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, I think like that's the thing though about the cover though that's kind of disappointing in its own way because it's automatically playing in to those types of tropes. So what did you think of the book? You know what? I wrote down a couple of my little thoughts and again, this is another narrative of the over-functioning child because we have the under-functioning parent. I know. And yikes. And like, this theme <laughs> continues to run through these books. Yep. It's like either you have a dead mom you, you have like a dead mom and or an hope- absentee dead mom or and then you have an absentee parent. Yeah. And you have to become the parent because 
because they are not going to be your parent. Exactly. I am so tired of these young girls not being able to be 12 and 11 years old because the people that are supposed to be the adults will not be the adults in their lives. Pretty much. And then two things. The biggest chunk of this narrative is that she goes basically on a trip to Rome Mm -hmm. and she's there for a number of years. Two. Yeah. Did this happen? Um, Do you want me to go jump into some spoilers or what? No, no. I'll just present. These are Felicia's burning questions. Number one. I'm taking notes. (laughs) Which What do we really want to know? I'm like, number one, I was, did this? Because this is half the book. It's true. Half the book is Cleopatra goes on a road trip to Rome, obviously to save her people because her dad's a drunk Mm -hmm. and the worst. Did did this happen? If it didn't, I'm, yo, this is real artistic liberty. (laughs) Obviously, because of all the things that happen when she's in Rome, there's always this juxtaposition between her seeing how the Romans rule and her being, when I'm queen, I'm not going to do this stuff and I got to step up and practice and be a queen and an ambassador. Her encounters with Mark Anthony, Mm -hmm. because if anyone's, I don't know anything about Cleopatra, you're like, I don't know, she had sex with Caesar and... Mark Antony. So the fact that she meets Mark Antony in this book and they have a bit of a enemies to like, maybe they'll get together. Oh god. Kind of thing. Oh. Also, what peppers through for me in this reading to HBO's Rome. I love that series. Like, high key, I always recommend it. I was genuinely thinking about that series earlier today. <laughs> and then I just also then thought about Spartacus. And then oh. I laid out on the floor for a thousand years. But then they they talk about uh, the Spartan uprising in they this. They do. And, you know, I think that's really interesting, too, because depending on how you encounter different things in history, you get it like weird piecemeals, almost mm-hmm. like a buffet. The appetizers are over here. The desserts over here. Here are the mains. Here's the salad. Here's the side. But then you pull it all together. You're like, oh, this is a meal. Yeah. And I think that, for me, I appreciated this book for because of the results of the Spartan uprising. Here's like the crosses that are set up because of the slaves that are revolting. That happened 14 years ago, but here they still are. Mm-hmm. Or just peppering in how, one, the first time she meets Octavian, who then becomes her major nemesis enemy in her later life, mm-hmm. is he's small child, and they're tossing a boat back and forth. And I was foreshadowing. She meets Mark Anthony, and, and obviously Cicero. Cicero is a big character in the later days of the last days of the Roman Republic and sort of mm-hmm. before transition. So it's just really interesting. You know about the assassination of Caesar as a separate event. You know about I Am Spartacus as a separate event. You know about Mark Anthony and Cleopatra having the love affair of a century as a separate event. Oh, wow. These aren't so far apart. There's actually not that much space between. Also, the fact that she hung out in Pompeii and Herculaneum. Because I went on an Italy trip Mm. in my last year of high school. So for me, I was memories. (laughs) I have never been to that part, but my favorite thing is like it is a little bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card because Herculaneum has not been unfinished being excavated yet. Yeah. So there's a lot that she can play with. What did you know about Cleopatra? Aside from like these piecemeal bits. So what I know about Cleopatra is that there's like the on the surface so like all the apocryphal lore stuff like she wrapped herself up in a carpet and then Mm -hmm. unrolled herself and was hi Caesar baby let's get together and he was oh my god no one's ever been sexy in a rug before. I must have sex with you. After Caesar got stabbed 
Ahab. She was like, who's the next hot guy? I guess Mark Anthony. He's like Caesar, except younger and hotter. And obviously, because of Rome and my favorite, James Pure- Purefoy, Purefoy, a.k.a. James Pure Sex. Oh, my God. Oh, just the best. And then in Rome, they're like, Cleopatra. She's fun and sexy. She gets high on hash and bangs Mark Anthony a lot. But I know there's more to her. I know she was a polygot, like, in terms of languages. Mm-hmm. And I know that over and over again, they were like, she was not a knockout, but she was smart. You were drawn to her intelligence. Other than that, though, donut. I also read that fake autobiography from her mm-hmm. that was very long. I remember you reading that and it, having a struggle fest, like, it, over a decade ago. Well, it's just because it was about uh, 200 pages too long of mm. 700 pages. But then she dies by suicide, a.k.a. a snake. Well, I just want to say, <laughs> from... What you've said, I'm taking notes. I'm like, okay, this is not right. This is the things we need to dispute. I know. Oh my god, let's talk about right. it. <laughs> so, other than that, I feel like I I skated over the pond of Cleopatra. Gave her some credit. She knows languages, but other than that, I'm, I don't know. I remember reading the book too when I was younger, and I had a similar feeling. Now that I'm older, where I know we're not gonna do like a deep dive into major class politics, but God, just to be rich, I mean, like oh. I'm gonna be perfumed of oils, and I'm gonna. I go and listen to you know classic like, oh, like classical oh. philosophy can and we poetry. just pour some out from the alexandria library that gets so many references in this r.i.p alexandria library <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing, too, is that with this book, as you said, even with just the thing of she and Octavian, who will in real life have a massive naval battle, they go and they play with a boat together. Yeah, like passing a boat over a pond or, or something Or that together. the Julia that she's hanging out with is it's like one of the pieces that leads to the implosion of her life. Her death breaks the, tr- the, the first, triumvirate. Yeah, the first one. Yeah. Like, there were obviously always more factors going on. On. I mean, obviously, it's easier to blame the woman for dying. Like, exactly. rude. Yeah, but <laughs> rude, also, ancient Julia. But it's like, <laughs> shut up. Listen, we historical Julias are doing their best. Okay, historical Julias. There's so many of them. There are a lot of historical so Julias. In the opening scene, as of course, there's a snake, a poisonous snake, going through the palace. Oh my! Just now, you saying it. I'm. I wasn't reading this with any critical literary thing at all. This is another thing. The theme of absentee parent but also terrible siblings. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> okay, so like, let's do a little bit of basic overview. Of, like, tell me about this wacky tobacco family. Okay, please. we're gonna be doing a little bit of jumping back and forth in time too at points throughout this episode. That's cool. Yeah, so so Cleopatra though was born on either in December 70 BCE or January 69 BCE and she died in August 30 BCE and she was part of the Ptolemaic dynasty who had ruled the bulk of Egypt, Cyprus, and parts of Asia Minor or present-day Turkey for about 300 or so years. I don't know if you want to go and be keeping track of how often I'm going to be saying the name or the word Ptolemy. I don't. You don't? Also, just uh, for people who are listening and not reading, it's a P-T. The P is silent. (laughs) Yeah, it's P-T-O-L-E-M-Y. And if you were like a small child like me when I was reading it, you probably read it Ptolemy. Same here. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and then later on you hear about the Tomleys. You're like, who the heck are the Tomleys? I miss that dynasty. <laughs> 
And then, it's the same people, stupid. <laughs> okay, but anyway, so her father was Ptolemy the Twelfth, who was legit nicknamed the Piper because the guy did like to party. Oh, her dad. I know. Man, dude, I understand pressure and blah, 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 but there are people relying on you. Well, the nut up. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that his Ptolemy the Twelfth, um, his father nutted up into somebody who wasn't his wife, which mm. then produced Ptolemy the Twelfth. Hey, for once it wasn't inbreeding. I know, for once. Magical. So he really only became king because everybody else killed each other in the oh, Civil Wars. True say. Who do I go and refer to have been like the massive amounts of people who were fighting each other? You don't even need to know that. Just basically, he became king for sheer freaking dumb luck. Also, we do not know exactly who her mother is. Oh, yes. Yeah. Some historians say that it was Cleopatra V Trifania, but again, we can't be sure. Rollins doesn't claim anyone specifically, but he says that Cleopatra's mother was actually probably mixed of Greek and Egyptian descent. Mm. She did have an older sister. Rollins uses the Greek spelling Berenike and says that she was the eldest child and probably the sole daughter of Cleopatra VI, the official wife of Ptolemy Twelfth. Okay, in this book... We're getting to your first plot twist, Felicia, which oh is that God. the Trifini in the book probably didn't actually exist. What? Yeah. What? No. He was like a Disney villain. She's no, like gonna she... threaten people with knives and you mean Berenice, the one who is unimaginative and calls baboon baboon? She was Was the... real, but like the actual bad girl wasn't? Yeah. Berenice actually I'm just gonna go and call her Berenice just to be able yeah, to make my know. life easier. Berenice or Berenice. Berenice. Whatever. Whatever. Anyway. No, Berenice. No, no offense to anybody who's named that or any scholars of ancient Greek who might actually know. No, be it's just this. because it's in some name and I'm just calling her Bernice. Yeah, the Trifania in the book probably didn't exist. There is a Trifania mentioned in passing in court records around the time of Bernice's reign, but now it's thought that that woman could have been either Bernice's mother, she might have been Cleopatra's mom, probably not. She could have been another woman with the same name, which I will not put it past these people, or she could have been an unrecognized sibling. Okay, so just for people who aren't aware, in this book Cleopatra, she and her dad take off to Rome and in that time her older sister who now Julia is now plot twisting to me maybe did not exist Mm -hmm. Trifania Mm -hmm. takes over the throne she ends up getting killed by people who are loyal to Cleopatra's father and then Cleopatra and her father are told come home and her sister Berenice in that time has taken over yeah so but what you're saying is it may have been Cleopatra's mom or Berenice's mom or Berenice's mom who actually had taken over yeah, in with, that time. With Berenice as a co-ruler. Okay. Yeah. Either way, the Trifania figure was murdered. Yes. And Berenice did take over the throne when Ptolemy Piper skipped town to Rome. And Berenice was, yeah, she was named queen by a faction. She was then execu- She was actually executed on her father's order when he returned from Rome a couple of years later. Yeah. And for a child's book, just so you know, it's a pretty yikers when, moment mm-hmm. when it's Cleopatra, come stand next to me small daughter. A soldier comes in with Berenice's head on a shield, like yeah. a platter, and spills the blood on the floor. Like, yikers. I remember that moment vividly and rereading it because I was just, I was shook. Uh, I, it's a lot, but then again, if you grew up reading about John the Baptist being beheaded, you're just I literally like, was thinking about John the Baptist and his head on and the shield. And you're just, pfft, 
Amateur hour. <laughs> Nobody danced for this head. Oh my gosh. Cleopatra also had two younger brothers. Again, Ptolemy the 13th, who was born about 61 BC, and Ptolemy the 14th, who was born in 59 BCE. Question. What about her younger sister, Arsenio, aka Arsenio g- Hall? We are going to go and get there in a moment. Okay. Cool. Yes, she did go and marry them and was co-ruler with each of them at one point, but, oh. you know, they were both deposed due to her dynastic needs and wants. I mean, I understand keeping the power in the family, but there's a limit. I mean... back. But pretty much when the first Ptolemy took over, he goes, I'm gonna go and marry as many powerful Greek women as I can and produce as many children as I can. But the first Ptolemy r- ruler had over a dozen kids. If we have enough people that if we start we can, now, we can, we can basically make our own weird village so it's not as inbreedy as direct sibling to sibling. Pretty much. But that was also a practice from ancient Egyptians too. Oh, yeah. And even in their ancient Egyptian mythology, blah blah blah, and they were siblings. And that was the same thing with the Greeks, too, of their gods as well. Because you did go and ask her about her. So she did have a younger sister, Arisno. She was actually made queen of Cyprus by Julius Caesar in 47 BCE. There were a lot of times when people were trying to foist Cleopatra off of her throne. And it was mostly between her and her siblings. Why didn't they just stay in their lanes? Because people are become either puppets or they want power. I feel like she was a puppet. Yeah, probably. Because she... Basically, Cleopatra went and was chilling in what we now know as Syria. And then Arisna was exiled to Ephesus and then was living there after her. She was paraded through a triumph, was then committed to a temple. But then Mark Antonius, a.k.a. Mark Antony, had her killed in 41 BC at Cleopatra's request. Yikers. I know. So, yeah, like that's basically her immediate family. What a mess. Jerry. 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 <laughs> but the thing is, so like, think that these people are ridiculous. It's just a family trait. I mean, it's a trait for like, anybody who has a margin of power. Yeah. I mean, people were shading on Henry VIII. Yikes. I know. And the thing is, so we can't really understand Cleopatra in a vacuum, but even with the vacuum that contains Rome, we need to like, understand her, like, the context of her dynasty, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, on one hand, we're saying, that's really yikers, but these are also like the Ptolemies, right? Yeah, it's just how things were done. What do you know about the Ptolemies? <sighs> okay, this is probably all wrong. It's okay. This is why we're here. This is why we're guiding through. Okay, so Alexander the Great basically conquering the modern ancient world bit by bit. He's from Macedonia originally. Mm -hmm. I think I should take over the world. Yeah. And so then that's what Alexander set out to do. Mm -hmm. And along the way, as he conquered different countries, he's, how do I secure the countries but then keep on conquering? He's, I know, I'll put my BFFs in charge of each country. You can be in charge of Egypt while I continue on my quest to rule the world and he was also very unimaginative and that's why there was many Alexandrias and and then he died and that was I mean <laughs> and, that, and he, they were let's put him back in the final resting place in Alexandria and they're which one the nice one in Egypt okay so I just want to go and say your Macedonian history for y'all okay your cliffs note version of Alexander the Great is not completely terrible the yeah. only Thing I would, the only thing I would add is that he definitely wrote Achilles and Patroclus fan fiction. Oh no, he totally did, and he wanted to get with Jared Leto, and then, <laughs> and 
then the the Hollywood producers was too gay for us. Like we can't no. do that. But I was let them be gay. You know you want them to be. And Jared Leto was feeling that role. Oh my god. So you're not exactly wrong. Thank I you. mean, he he was a dramatic. He was a bitch who lived for the drama. He um, died when he was like thirty something. He was like, like thirty two. Yeah. I, come on. But anyway, I understand that. Okay, but the fi- main point is, though, so when he died, there was no actual agreed upon plan of what should actually happen to the empire. Yeah, because who plans on dying at thirty two of a fever? He hadn't got his will notarized, basically. Yo, hashtag and, relatable. <laughs> so his generals basically end up doing a lot of fighting amongst themselves but pretty much like this is how the empire was divided initially and there were smaller chunks but these are the main ones so the Seleucids basically got the bulk of the Levanant and like all the land around the Fertile Crescent and a good chunk of Asia Minor the Pergamon basically got another good chunk of modern day Turkey Macedon was just Greece Mm. and all of that and then you have the Ptolemies who had Egypt nice yeah the thing is so is that by the time we get to Cleopatra, though, none of them exist anymore as independent countries, except for Egypt. Egypt is the last man standing properly. Mm. The Some of them are we're client kingdoms of the Roman Republic, oh. or it's, we're going to be a province really soon, pretty much. Mm. Or like, And Egypt's like, I'm holding out. Pretty much. I can be a power player still. I still got it, bro. Well, it's like saying that, <laughs> but at the same time, the big problem was is that also by the time that Cleopatra rolls into town, Egypt owes Rome a a shit ton of money. All of those civil wars that were going on and the dynasty previously, they were almost bankrupt. Even Mm. though they they supplied Rome with a lot of goods and supplies. Yeah, because I was going to say, I feel like they were the the last port in terms of everything from the east. And I do remember this from the TV series, how Rome doesn't have its own grain. No. Because they they don't produce anything. They import at all. Yeah, so, but that was the thing, though. It doesn't matter, even if it's a, oh, we're gonna withhold your food, it's, bitch, you still owe me money. Yeah. And I have a really big army. I think that's the biggest thing. It's, yeah, you can hold back the grain, but we could just come in and take it. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Cleopatra's Egypt and her dad, he did have a pretty decent relationship with Rome overall, even though he did owe them money. Mm-hmm. The main thing was is that, and you asked this at the beginning, her dad did go to Rome. Road when he, trip! Yeah, he, he did road t- trip to Rome. There was another again in our coup that was basically staged in our civil war and oh shit I don't have any supplies I need help I need Rome yeah because obviously people that will fight your wars cost money yeah he wasn't great at taxing people the book goes and talks about and that's my oh my god that was your favorite passage my favorite is I think that the taxing's wrong I'll be fair I can't believe that like people don't have money I think I'll go and I'll get like a special amethyst necklace just for my pet leopard for my pet leopard I was oh my god I even wrote that I was the duality of this girl (laughs) Pretty much. <laughs> to answer your question, did Cleopatra go to Rome with her dad? Mm. Drum roll, please. We're not sure. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, fair enough. It's sort of, if you're going to the mafia bosses, hey, they put the lean on me. Can I have a little more cash? Are you going to bring your 12-year-old kid with you? Thing too, though, at that point, Cleopatra, he had three other children mm. aside from Cleopatra. They were all significantly younger than her. Mm. And so, oh snap, my eldest daughter has taken over. I'm going to need to get rid of her. But that means Cleopatra 
that. Probably going to go and be my heir, too, mm. right? And also keeping an eye on her, too. Because the two little ones, the two boys under the age of 10, mm-hmm. I mean, they could be even stated as puppets, but let's be real. One of them was literally a baby, and the other one was like four. Okay. I'm going to leave this these two preschoolers in charge. No, that's no. not going to happen. No, and legitimately, they won't take over. Yeah. However, she's probably in that cuspy range where it's, it's a little risky if I leave her alone, because she could maybe take over from the other one who's being uppity. Yeah. So maybe I'll keep her with me and have her loyalty or something. In fairness to Gregory, there's a lot, like, there are quite a few things that we definitely do know about Cleopatra, but there's a lot of stuff that we don't. So her also being, I'm just gonna go and take these literally missing years. She's not mentioned at all in court documents and mm. just do something with them. Why the heck not? Exactly. Plus also, it does more to go and paint a portrait of who she was as a person, I think, than your average text does. Yeah, and I think she does a great job outlining what this girl is about in terms of figuring out her values and what she cares about and what she wants to do and Mm -hmm. things like that. So the same way the Elizabeth one is sort of planting the seeds of if you end up reading a real historical thing, you won't be like, who is this stranger? Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, the seeds have been planted. Also, I found your favorite passage about uh, the collar. Read it, read (laughs) it. Father now owes 16,000 talents. If it takes years for an Egyptian laborer to earn just one talent, it would take many laborers to pay father's debt. What does a poor man gain from his toil? Now I understand why the common hardworking people hate my father so deeply. My heart despairs over this. As I write this, Arrow has curled herself at my chair with one heavy paw resting on my foot. Her long spotted tail is tucked under her chin like a cushion. What a good old friend. Tomorrow I'm going to ask the royal jeweler to make a new collar for her. A beautiful one. Perhaps gold with purple stones. So like the fact that she's just, my dad owed so much money. AKA the poor people got to work from my dad so much to make this money. Wouldn't it be nice to get my cat beautiful solid gold collar with amethyst stones? Pretty much. <laughs> but that's so accurate. It's so accurate in terms of royals just not connecting the dots. Where do you think your money come from? Exactly. <laughs> in fairness to Cleopatra, as like we're going through this book too, you go and see like she's incredibly scholastic. Cleopatra like did actually have like a really robust education. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I mean, great library that, you know, whatever about the great library. Uh, you. you don't even know what was in it. I know. It's just, it, I'm just imagining Beauty and the Beast library on steroids. All right. Fair enough. But the point is that it was right next door to her and it was in the palace complex along with what was known as the Museum, which was basically this massive research center. Nice. Being learned and a scholar, it was considered to be part of the ideal for a Ptolemy. She's also really notable within her family dynasty. She was the first ruler to actually speak the indigenous language. What an irony. The ruler of the Egyptians can speak Egyptian. I know. That's not completely unheard of trend, even throughout later dynasties and countries. And Rollins, he says that, according to Plutarch, wrote that the queen was gripping in her conversation and persuasive in her discussion. She was able to speak Ethiopian, Trogoti, the languages of the Hebreo, Arabus, Syrians, Medes, and the Parthians, and many others as well. And we can also conjecture that she obviously knew Greek because that would be her native language and she did 
did know Latin, but she mostly read it because interestingly, like Roman elites, like the patricians, Greek was still the dominant language, but yeah, Latin was. was used in official documents. Yes. In the book, it presents her as like, do they have a presenting reading Hebrew or Aramaic? It's Aramaic. Uh, Hebrew. She would have actually been reading Aramaic. That was the dominant language of the time. Even with those languages, they all really make sense for her to know them because of her later like wheeling and dealing with other people. Mm-hmm. And also, it's she, fun fact, was really good, like really tight with Herod the Great. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they really liked each other and they hung out. Oh man, two fandoms colliding. I know, right? I always get giddy when I'm, I know you! Pretty much. <laughs> um, so this dude named Philostratus, he was also her tutor in philosophy, rhetoric, and oratory. She also knew mathematics and astronomy like nobody else's business. Oh man, can you imagine her versus Elizabeth I in like uh, a athlete's competition? Okay. No, like, but genuinely, Jeopardy. genuinely though, Elizabeth and Cleopatra are going to hold up as two of the most academically gifted. Rollins also contends that, we I mean, we can't exactly be sure, but there's a strong chance that she actually even wrote some medical scrolls, and that she is attributed in writing a series of scrolls known as the cosmetics, but no, they're not just these things about beauty regimes. I was say, please just tell me she wasn't an influencer about makeup. No, no, no. Okay. They're like actual pharmacological text. Oh my gosh. This image in the book of Cleopatra being this really smart wanting to learn type of young woman scholarly inclined yeah. that was definitely a thing yeah that's accurate for sure totally makes sense so she meets Mark Antony yes tell me about this can I tell you from my perspective okay what do you know about Cleopatra's love life I mean you've kind of already said that you know that she definitely slept with Julius Caesar and she slept with Mark Antony yes which I just want to go and say really quickly before you start uh, Cleopatra she was a bimbo or what I was like we only or know like the hoe of the Nile but she literally as far as we know she only only had two confirmed lovers. Oh my god, what a scandal. That's not very ho-like. I mean, in that case, Mark Antony was definitely a ho. And oh, sa- I, I know Mark Antony was ho, but also this is also J- James Purefoy. Oh no, no, it's but... Polluting. <laughs> Uh, my perception. Okay, but Mark Antony was married, I think it was five times, and had eight children. Yeah, that but we I know feel of. like for Mark Anthony, it was 50% political, 5% was he was, I guess I gotta do the right thing. Hey, Cleopatra was married to some dudes for her brothers, and she never slept with them, and that was political. Mark, An- just accept it. Mark Antony was actually a hoe. No, he but was not a as, hoe. Not as big of a hoe as Julius Caesar was. Well, I think the fact that I know Julius Caesar was initially big bankrolled by sugar mamas. Pretty much. So, you know, when people are like, Cleopatra slept her way to the top. First of all, she was a queen when she was sleeping with people. So she don't have anywhere else to go. She was kind of venerated as a goddess. The whole thing is, is Julius Caesar in this book, he was at the time off in Gaul. Yeah, he's, we don't, Julius Caesar is not a character in this book. Every single time we hear about him, he's just conquering. Yeah, it was like first triumvirate, which was Pompey, Caesar, and And Crassus. Yes. Yeah. And then, and Mark Antony was his Julius Caesar's master of the horse, his second he was in like, command. Yeah, he was like his dude in Rome while Caesar was off campaigning. Julius Caesar is a figure who is looming in this book. Yeah, but he doesn't do anything really. No, he doesn't. And that pretty much makes sense because he and Cleopatra didn't officially meet until until she does her rug bit, right? Well, apparently, which is in. Tell me about this rug story. Okay. Because I remember one of those true history fact, da da da, kind of TV shows and they literally rolled up a person in a carpet could this actually work yeah or would you die 
Well, yeah. In a carpet. It's not about the fact, was she rolled in a carpet, yes or no. The fact was that she took a risk. It paid off. Spoiler alert for this part. I'm sorry. That's okay. Julius Caesar. <laughs> okay. So, You're missing the point. Yeah. Here's the thing. Caesar was in Alexandria with the troops. He wanted his money back. But also, like, Cleopatra was also engaged in a civil war with her brother, husband, co-ruler, Ptolemy the mm. 13th. And she was housed up in modern-day Syria looking for support. Ptolemy 13, he had Pompeii, so one part of the triumvirate murdered and had his head delivered to Caesar, which did not go over super well. Yeah. And this was all happening during like 48-47 BCE. I feel like I feel like he was trying to do a power move and be like, look at me, I could chop off heads. And then Caesar's, excuse me, only one person gets to chop off my best friend's, my former best friend's head. My, for- my former son-in-law's. Except they were the same age. So that's a whole other... Poor Julia. Poor Julia. She's trying to get for this section. I know. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. <laughs> I was like, this is... How long is this episode going to be? It's going to be super long. Sorry. Okay, so... I have a lot of feelings. So, basically, in the end, we know that she did sneak herself into the palace of Alexandria. She could have in a rug, she could have in a bedsheet, or in something, and this is what Plutarch says, or that she just presented herself to Julius Caesar. That's what uh, Dio says. He was also a Roman historian. Quick side note, I wrote down uh, Julius Caesar's JC, and I just want to say that, like, (laughs) JC, Chazé, and Julius Caesar are about roughly the same age at this point. So, frankly, I understand Cleopatra's point. Oh man, now I'm just picturing JC from NSYNC. <laughs> exactly! I'm not really pressed about which account is more true, because in the end, the result's the same. Mm-hmm. Cleopatra and Julius Caesar met, and they embarked on an affair that eventually, apparently, so she claimed, produced a son who she named Caesarian. I also just want to go and say, because we did go and discuss really brief, not briefly, for a couple minutes, but how Julius Caesar was a hoe. So, Julius Caesar was definitely no stranger having sex or using sex for political purposes. Yeah, he wasn't. So, according to Suetonius, a Roman historian in the first century CE, a young Julius Caesar was ambassador to Bithynia, northern Turkey, and he was particularly close to King Nicomedes IV, close enough that he was nicknamed the Queen of Bithynia, and oh. when Nicomedes died, he left his entire kingdom of Rome. And for people... Julius Caesar working in that king! Pretty much. For people who are wondering what my source was Adrian Goldsworthy's biography of Caesar and also actual writings from the time. Julius Caesar was a hoe. This happened in his lifetime. Oh, so a contemporary was... Like, it was contemporary of So it's not like, did you hear that this thing happened about Caesar? It's not like after he's dead and he can't defend himself. No. Like, While he's alive. Did the, you hear that the king died and he left all his stuff to Caesar because they were such good friends? That definitely and happened. he had the nickname Queenie. And there was even a flippin' chant about how Caesar got over Bithynia, but Nicomedes got over Caesar. Okay, then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Cleopatra, the hoe of the Nile. You'd be let me tell you about uh, the real hoe. Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar. Hoe of the Tiber. Hoe of the Tiber. <laughs> Basically, she and Caesar, they were involved to the point that she would come and stay in Rome, cross the Tiber from Caesar's main house, and it scandalized 
was the Roman patrician. And they pretty much had this off-again, on-again relationship till Caesar was assassinated. Okay. Yeah, Caesar... So it during... wasn't like a one-and-done thing. They had an actual... On-again, off-again. On like, again. like, they never married. No. But, like, it also wasn't considered to be adultery for him, of course. Even no. though he was... You ally with it. And that's, like, pretty much what Cleopatra's entire love life is like, mm. right? On one hand, oh, she cruelly used him. She was... She... Like, what is she also she supposed to go and do? Parallels with Elizabeth I and how she sort of had her... Maybe I'll marry this guy. Maybe I won't. And Elizabeth had to play the same game, except Cleopatra did it by saying, I got a bargaining chip because we got a kid together. Basically, she and Caesar on again, off again. He had an affair with the Queen of Mauritania this time too, which I laughed about when I found out. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, he li- he literally could not keep it in his pants. It's amazing. Well, he doesn't know how to say hello like a normal person, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> hello, um, why are your pants off? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, be a normal person. I know. The thing is, the other great guy who we do go and see a lot in this book is Mark Antony. So don't think about James Purefoy. Okay, exhale that from Think my brain. about Mark Antony in this book. Okay, so in this book, he's kind of this, I don't know how to explain it. He's almost the hot jock. Mm-hmm who shows up. She's 13 or 14 in this book when they meet and he's He's, 26 mm -hmm. and he teases her. Oh, she's like a little kid, gives her some ribbing and stuff and she gets all a little haughty. I'm the queen in training. Nah, nah, nah. There's tension there. There's there's a vibe. And then at one point he does kiss her. Yeah, but even as a a kid, I was like I was like, like, yikers. I was just to grab her by the shoulders and pull her to his face and I was yikers. Indeed. Tries to rescue her from the rain and he basically key hauls her over his shoulder and she gets all freaked out that she's being kidnapped, obviously. Mm-hmm. She takes his sword and she swings it around and then it happens to cut his tunic so then she gets to see a whole lot more of Mark Anthony than she was anticipating and then she's, I didn't look, you know, I, I made sure to look at the man's face so I wouldn't have to see his nakedness and blah, blah, blah. And then she was, I don't know what it is about this Mark Anthony but I think I want to see a lot more of him. And she also apparently kept a sword which was a great moment. Yes. Okay, so Mark Anthony he was involved in Ptolemy the Twelfth, the Twelfth, not the Thirteenth or the Fourteenth. Her dad, mm-hmm. his return to Egypt. Mm. Now, whether or not he and Cleopatra actually met in Rome during Twelfth's time there, we can't really be sure. Yeah, because we don't know if she went on the road trip. Yeah. However, we definitely know that they did meet when Rome's when Roman support came for Twelve. Mm. It sounds like I'm talking about like the freaking doctor or something. <laughs> like Antony apparently said that he fell in love with Cleopatra. That then and there when he met her in Egypt. Shakers. I know. Which, yeah, I, I literally have in my notes. But she's just a little creepy. He was 13 years older than her at the time. When you have a teen meeting a 20-something-year-old, I'm like, oh. No. Just <laughs> end. Step away from oh, the teenage girl. Step away from the teenage girl. Yeah. Thank you. Pretty much. <laughs> But she and Mark Antony did have this relationship. Cleopatra was in town when Julius Caesar was assassinated. Oh, okay. So she basically was, all right, Caesarian, let's pack up. Daddy's not coming with us. We gotta go. And she went back to Alexandria. So she was, I'm here to hang out with my baby daddy. And then her baby daddy gets stabbed. She's like, well, that's my cue to leave. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, like, we don't need to go and get into the wars and everything that happened afterwards. When the dust settles, it's the second triumvirate, which is Octavian. I was just going to say, I know it's Octavian, I know it's Mark Anthony, and then it's question mark, dude. I know. Okay, and Lapidus. Who that? that? 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's pretty much like what Octavian did. Olympias, I guess you can go to Sicily, but I don't want that new phone. Who did? <laughs> Octavian. Yeah. Such a scamp. (laughs) I mean, there was a lot of conflict between the three of them. So to set the scene of when she and Mark Antony saw each other in 40 BCE. Mm -hmm. And at that point, those power struggle had been done. The second triumvirate was up. Octavian had the majority of the Western part of what we consider to be the Western part of what will be the Roman Empire. Or Western Europe. Western Europe, pretty much. And then Mark Antony has most of the east. He gets the Mediterranean basin. What happens then, Mark Antony wants to go and expand his territory, obviously. But he has the best part. But Mark Antony does not have a lot of money. Okay. So he's, yo, Cleopatra, I know you have money because you've actually been really good as a queen and have accumulated more money and have been able to go and pay off quite a few debts. So you don't just spend all your bling on your leopards. Pretty much. And so she went up there to go and see him on her barge. The product of that meeting were twins, Alexander Helios and Cleopatra Cellini. And calling your little boy sun and your little girl moon. Well, that's the that's thing. Adorbs. Well, they actually didn't go and get those titles until later, which oh. then causes some problems. Oh, okay. Okay. One misconception that we often happens that people are like, oh, and they were together forever. I thought, no, they weren't. They had some magical evenings and then they had twins, but the twins never met their dad until they were like, three years old. Her main thing was she's, I now have one of the most powerful men in my area and region Mm. and I have children by him I've increased my air count to three because in her family people were dropping like daisies right now at this point though is Egypt still its own independent country it's still its own independent country then that's part of the tension right because their relationship got revived again in about 37 BCE so like a few years later Mars like you are the father and he's like, oh my god, these kids. He's like, I love you, Cleopatra. She's like, I guess. And then... I hear, oh my god. <laughs> the worst nightmare ever. You're, I just wanted to meet your kids. I didn't actually want to be with you. Pretty much. And then about oh. a year later, a son, Ptolemy Philadelphus, was followed in 36 BCE. Okay. So they have three kids together now. Yeah. And that's the final kid that they have together. Big deal about them being together at that point was that Mark Antony, his fourth wife was Octavia Minor, a.k.a. Octavian's younger sister. (laughs) But obviously that was a political marriage. I know how to make this person who I don't like not be able to kill me. But the thing was, he did screw over I'm gonna divorce you. He played me wrong. I don't care about family dinner. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a lot of other moving pieces going on. So again, collapsing it down to It's only relationships is kind of stupid. Because Octavian was pretty much looking for an excuse to start fighting Antony. And then the big deal was, and this is where Alexander Helios and Cleopatra Cellini getting their titles mm. became a thing. Shortly after Ptolemy Philadelphus was born, Antony basically gifted parts of his land that he was in charge of to Cleopatra for her heirs, which were his kids. So Rome was, excuse me, we left you in charge of this portion. We didn't say that you had the right to go and give it away. That you're supposed to manage it. It's not actually your to give as a gift. Pretty much. That was really the big thing. And then... Anthony's so stupid. 
Exactly. Like Mark <laughs> Antony was not the smart, really good at military strategy, mm. and he was really charismatic and all that type of things, but he, number one, he didn't have Caesar's bankroll mm. because... Caesar, he didn't get with the king of whatever, whatever. And he also didn't go and sleep with all those patrician ladies who were rich. True say. He also... He had no sugar mamas. He had no sugar mamas. I mean, he was... I have Cleo, but she's... Bish, you're on your own. Pretty much. <laughs> she was just chilling. She had her kids... Her dynasty seemed pretty secure. Caesarea, she had deposed of Ptolemy the Fourteenth and basically made her son Caesarian her co-ruler with her. Yeah. Yeah, like she was chilling. Things were fine. For everything that we know of her reign, she was actually a pretty competent ruler. Okay. She, no complaints. Obviously, if you're poor, things are going to be shitty for you. Yeah, but who but cares about the pores? Like, no if cares you're putting about... gold collars on your leopard. Exactly. <laughs> she would go on these massive tours of her lands with mm. her kids to Here's the succession of my dynasty. So she's really good at PR. She was so freaking good at PR. At the very end of the book, the way how she goes yeah. up on the barge and everything. Before I go to college tour. Pretty much. So she actually did one of those of Caesar, fun fact. And you know what? That probably was a big thing for him. He's like, oh, I could see this woman in her element. She could talk to people. What a novelty. I know. From our very Eurocentric growing up in education, we don't actually realize how large Egypt is within the African continent, which is freaking massive. Yeah, totally. The reach and the boundary and the extent of her kingdom was pretty massive at this point. But obviously, Rome will always come a-knocking, and so let's just go and talk about the final couple years. Yeah. How does it all implode? How did this fun little boy Octavian, who's she... playing sailboats with her, mess up her real sailboats? <laughs> yeah. At the Battle of Actium, Rome, after Caesar died, as we all know, a lot lot of civil wars. Mark Antony's trying to go and expand his power. Alright kids you get some land. You get some land. We all get some land. And Rome was no. Everyone pretty much knows about the naval battle of Actium. Do we though? But long story short there's a huge naval battle apparently off the coast of Greece and some historians actually believe it was more of a skirmish but either way things were not looking for great for Cleopatra or for Mark Antony. They got trolloped at that point. Wait a second. The Battle of Actium happened like a year before she died. So what happened? So they lost. I guess the mail was slow. You didn't know that you lost until a year later. Well, here's what happened. <laughs> what happened? I don't know. A year later. <clears throat> you lost. <laughs> That's why you need a reliable postal service, y'all. Don't oh. discount the mail. No. <laughs> so, Octavio was going to win that that naval battle no matter what. They knew that. But he basically consolidated an even stronger force. He got some of Cleopatra's allies to turn on her. Uh, and he was pretty much going to descend down onto Egypt and clobber them. Anything that was Caesar's, Julius Caesar's, was his. So here's the tension, though, right? Because a Caesarian, right? Who was Caesar's actual... Actual. Like bio son, but according to Cleopatra, according to Cleopatra, but Romans didn't necessarily bio heirs. No, they didn't. They like to just be, hey, you, small child, I like you. You shall be my heir. Cleopatra, she's all right. Shit, like I got to do some peace talks and strike a deal, but nothing was happening. Rollins contends that she was basically trying to have Caesarian, who was about seventeen at the time, take over her throne, but Octavian was not going to go and have it because he could just see down the line people who like Julius Caesar or people who want to go and have an excuse. Basically, 
literally no one else could be even close to the peak of his summit of where he was going. I see real empire. Yeah. He's I don't need to contend with just one country. I can have it all. Pretty much. Did Cleopatra try to do her whole rug trick with Octavian? So Mark Antony was already dead at this point. Okay. So obviously um, he has a major ego factor and he's I can't handle no, the here, truth. According to Plutarch and everything, Mark Antony was suicidal and depressed at this point, which mm-hmm. is understandable because his entire, his army's imploded. He doesn't have enough money. Probably not going to go and get out of this alive. It's just really shitty. So where is he? Did he He's actually a, fight in like with those boats or was he, he was, just commanding know, saying like, go sail boats? No, he was at the Battle of Actium. And at that point, he had been living in Alexandria with Cleopatra for the past four or five years. Okay. He was accused of going native, being emasculated. Wanted to smoke hash and with lots of guy liner. Roman gender roles were super important in their propaganda. The fact that Cleopatra was openly about she was in power, she was going to wield power, she wasn't going to be that perfect Roman patrician woman. I'm sorry to go make another Rome reference. Adia the Julii. Yes. She connived and everything, but it was always within the confines of her own house. Yeah, whereas Cleopatra's, I don't need to do the real house wives of Rome. I am a queen in my own right. And so Mark Antony was viewed as being emasculated, cast aside. Things were not going well for him. Okay, so he's he's not in a good place. He survives this ship battle to Cleopatra and he's gay by lost. Well, she was with him at the Battle of Actium. Oh, she was. They were there together. She commanded the fleet. Oh my god! And she was one of the ones who lost the least because Cleopatra was also a kind of a boss bitch in terms of naval commanding too. She would. I know. Major overachiever here. <laughs> oh, no. Well, and then talk about the emasculation. Mark Anthony is like, babe, all my ships got sunk and yours are okay. I lost. Boo. We're at the, the end of the summer of 30 BC. So, yeah, we're at the end of the summer of 30 BC. And then the apocryphal story is that okay. Antony's death is that she was brought to him or vice versa. And she he died in her arms. And the whole thing was is that he had been, he had heard rumors that she was dead. And he fell on his own sword. Why are they hanging out together? How the heck are they? Is the palace so big that he can't like? She was in hiding at that point. Okay. okay. Um. Can he just go down the hallway and be like, "Hey, babe, you dead?" Well, here's an even worse twist for that. Rollins has a much less romantic view of their relationship in general, and mm. I'm inclined to agree with him. Mm. Basically, Cleopatra needed Mark Antony, and she always benefited more than he did from this relationship. Yeah. And he was probably a major obstacle of her getting into Octavian's favor. Yeah, he's a liability. So him dying is not a bad thing for her. Yeah. He, she had Caesar's sons, and then she had three backups from Mark Antony. And, and, and he lost the boats. And I already got the land that you signed over to our kids. So, yeah. I mean, he got hustled, but at the same time, I'm like... But to answer your question, did she pull a rug? Did she rug Octavian? So she did end up meeting him, and I he... Bet she rugged him. No, he, well, here's what happened. So he promised her that he wouldn't kill her, but there was no promises about Egypt remaining independent. Mm. And at that point she had been, I've been starving. I'm feeling terrible and all this types of things. So Octavian, she's probably super weak and everything. I'll just go and see her. He goes and see her. Of course she pulled on the Cleopatra charm. Yes. Like we know this from the accounts written by her own people. She basically was, I don't want to be killed. Mm. And he was, yeah, 
I won't kill you. He totally changed his plans for her. Yeah, he was, I'll show her who's boss, and then she shows up, and he's like, whatever you want. Pretty much. But the main thing, though, was that she did not want to be led through a triumph, like a Roman victory parade. She would have been paraded through the streets of Rome, and then pretty much humiliated. And even then, it's like, Octavian said he wasn't going to go and kill her, but it's like, she's I, not stupid. She's been, And she also killed how many people herself? She knows the writing's on the wall with this one. Shortly after she met with him, she found that, that she and her children were going to be moved to Rome. So she made arrangements. She apparently had a great dinner. She wore some amazing clothes. And when they found her, apparently Octavian broke down the door. They found her dead wearing her regalia, looking like a queen. I love how she gets the last laugh on that one. 100%. I mean, obviously it's terrible that she's driven to the thing of, do I want to be shamed and ridiculed for all of Rome to see me, and therefore the only out is suicide? That's horrible. However, she died on her own terms. She died on her own terms. Yeah. And how many women don't get to do that? Exactly. Cleopatra never did anything Cleopatra didn't Didn't want to do in the end, when push came to shove. But to go back to the beginning of our little book. Did Cleopatra die of a snake bite, though? Yes. She did not. <gasps> what? Yeah. According to Plutarch, he uses this word for implement, kinetis, and that has the connotation of something scratching. Dios uses the word belong, which is a needle. They're saying that she probably just poisoned herself by pricking herself with poison. Okay. Which was then alluded to being a snake bite. Interesting. And it started out with being a snake bit her wrist, and then of course it became a snake bit her breast. So this idea of her having this ass being brought to her, and then, and then bite me on the titty. <laughs> yeah, but even then, that's definitely, that's most likely a work of fiction. She died. She and Antony were buried together at their request. Oh, we that's, don't, that's yeah. nice that that was at least recognized. That was really nice. We don't know where their tomb is anymore. Yeah. It's been kind of lost. And so, I don't know. It's kind of, and then she died. How do you really end it? Well, but she has those three kids, though. She has those four kids. Oh, yeah, the four kids, yeah. So, Caesarian was most likely killed by Octavian. I mean, let's be real. It, the Caesar's heir, and Octavian's and the heir. There and can then, only be one. And then with her two sons, we're not exactly sure what happened to them. They probably got killed because they're boys. Well, they got taken to Rome with their sister. Oh. And they were raised as Roman citizens. And actually, Cleopatra Cellini, she actually married Juba of... In oh, Ethiopia or something, wasn't it? I think it was Ethiopia. I didn't yeah. write it down. So My anyways, she, she gets to live a life. But I think it was in the bo- the back of this book, they talk about how um, Mark Anthony's ex-wife raised those two kids, Octavia. So yeah. Octavian's sister, Octavia, raised those kids. Pretty much. That that's what's generally thought to have happened. But again, we can't know. Yeah. One of the things in this book of, did she actually go to Rome? Probably, maybe, maybe not. What about that snake? Definitely not. What about this person? What about that person? So Olympus? Yeah, her BFF, who's the hot Greek guy. He was probably fashioned after her actual personal physician, Olympus. Aww. He was also a source for Plutarch's writing about Mark Antony, and he was present for her final days and death. Oh. Yeah, they... If only they ended up together. They would never have... No, men and women are allowed to be friends. I know they're allowed to be friends. They could have been study buddies. Well, they probably were study buddies. Yeah. But he was also hella older than her, too. Yeah, and you know what? To be honest, I feel like someone in her position, she definitely needed a friend. 
Yeah. And so it's nice to know she had a friend. She actually had a friend in real life, which that's is good. good. She's a downer. It's like, and then she died. But that's Well, I mean, they all end up dying. It's definitely a tragedy that she didn't get to live a full and complete life. Think about Shoe on the Other Foot. Can you imagine her have being the first empress of Rome, the way Octavian was the first emperor of Rome? That's the thing, too, is because if she had it her way, the Ptolemaic dynasty would have continued. But on August 31st of that year it was the Egyptian New Year and then the dynasty ended how fitting what did you learn (laughs) oh my god so much I think definitely in terms more about the character and then there's a a lot more at stake high intensity situations politically that are just totally washed over basically seems Cleopatra's life is presented it's an episode of The Bachelor no it's like an episode of The West Wing (laughs) pretty much and I mean I I think that's the biggest thing yeah and that's where it's even in this book to even go and give the reader an inkling of everything that was going on and how many players it would have been impossible yeah but I think that Gregory really in many ways got like the spirit of what Cleopatra was like of who she was as a person and what the situation was like for her life yeah and who she's becoming yeah and that's what these books are about is it's the girls and the women that they will become yeah amazing yeah so that was Cleopatra awesome she you know she was I gotta go and secure my kingdom I gotta go secure my legacy I am going to go and do of the most opportune people and she bet on the right people in some cases and she bet on the wrong people in other cases. There were a lot of other pieces around her but she had a very clear vision of the world she wanted to create Mm -hmm. and she went after it. Yeah and I appreciate that. It would have been amazing though if what happened if she didn't have to basically make these allyships with these random dudes. I mean (laughs) we'll never know. Follow us for more research, fun facts, soundtracks, and aesthetic posts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Twitter at Royal Diaries Pod.